Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-hosts, Miss Purrington and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, our upcoming festivals page listing, which shows festivals from across the country and the world, and our 2023 FPIA contest page is live posting results as they happen. We're best known for our events page for live comedy shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW, where 100% of the entries you see come from the comics and producers. If you want your show featured on the calendar, click the Submit a Show button from the top of the homepage or events page to complete the short survey. It's free and easy. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo to our Instagram followers. Want to support these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Click the Support CW icon on our homepage to see the ways you can help us. Now back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I am talking to somebody uh, based on the next couple of things I'm going to say. Who uh, she, she likes to do a variety of shows throughout the year. She recently had a run with Taylor Swift's sketch show, A Comedy of Eras, which if you're a Swifty, you know what that's about. And then before that, she ran What a Character, a solo character showcase show. And before that, the 90s talk show variety show, the Emma Dilemma. Oh no, you know the name now. Uh, she taught a disaster class on how to cut your own bangs. And she has been on Austin Sketch Fest, Out of Bounds Comedy Festival, and more. And she's tough to Google, but we'll probably find out a little bit more about why that is. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Emma Holder. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Welcome. Uh, you are one of those persons in the comedy scene that... Uh, for whatever reason, as long as I've been a fan of comedy, your name comes up, but I never get to see you perform. And lately, I was thinking, I've got to stop that. Like, I have to <laughs> sit down and talk to Emma and find out more. Because the other thing that I've picked up on is, like, you're, you're everyone's best friend. <laughs> uh, that would be great. I hope so. I, no, I do. I pride myself in trying to be friends with with a lot of different people and that's one of my favorite things about the comedy scene just how many amazing connections I've made um I really do feel like I have a I mean it's such an overused word and in that way kind of undervalued but I do feel like I have a really big strong community um in this town yeah which is pretty cool yeah for sure well I'm gonna uh hit you with my icebreaker question that I ask everybody one word to describe your past. Ooh. Um, chaotic. Okay. <laughs> That's probably being a little maybe hypercritical, but yeah, it's been a journey. Um, I think I uh, had to kind of discover a lot of things on my own um 
I, I love my parents dearly. wasn't really given a lot of life skills. Mm. <laughs> um, so I, there was a lot of trial and error yeah. in being a human and an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm mostly there, kind of. Uh, you know, we're still, we're still in the research and development phase, but, uh, that's okay. I think everyone is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you stop being in the research and development phase of your life, then something's, you yeah. know, you hit it really, really big. And even then though, I think, um, I was taking a writing class once with Rich Tellerico, um, who is an Emmy award winning or nominated at least writer. He wrote for Key and Peele and I think SNL and uh, Mad TV. Really like storied writing career. Um, But he was talking about how like he never feels like he has stability or knows what he's doing. And like I get that as a writer in, you know, comedy. But then, you know, he was saying like, I think everyone feels that way. Like, you know, even someone like Steven Spielberg probably worries about what his next project's going to be. Not in the same way the rest of us do. But, you know, we're always, as humans, I think, seeking things. And, again, it would be nice to not have to worry about the paycheck element of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to, like, say that's not a part of a lot of people's worry. Um, But it is interesting to remember that I don't know if anyone's ever, especially in creative uh, endeavors, if anyone ever feels like, oh, good, I did it. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know who that person is, but... Yeah, uh, I haven't met them. No. Yeah. <laughs> you did not grow up in Texas. No, I grew up in Maine, actually. Yeah. Um, and then I went to college in Florida and discovered that you didn't have to live in the cold. Mm. And I love Maine, but I, I can't really go back because yeah. I'm such a cold baby. I hate it. But you went from cold to like muggy hot. Yes. Um, <laughs> you didn't find a, like an in-between spot. No. And that's kind of, I've always been an extremes person. <laughs> uh, that, it was just kind of random that I went to Florida. Mm-hmm. There was a cheap school that my parents found out about. So um, it wasn't like I, I've got to live in Florida. <laughs> um, but it was really nice. Like everything Oh, so much of our socializing was outside Mm. and that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Without having to bundle up. No. All that. I basically got to be a snowbird because I would go home to Maine in the summer um, from 18 to 22 and then ruined for the rest of my life because did not have the income to continue that lifestyle. (laughs) So at at any point here in either growing up or when you went to college, was performance something on your radar? Oh, yes. Oh, um, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I, from a very young age, wanted to be an actor hmm. and a writer. Um, I think acting came first and then writing, but shortly after. So even as like a tiny kid, I started doing plays in elementary school and mm-hmm. begging to go to acting classes and... Um, even tried to get my mom to move her and me to Hollywood um, wow. and, you know, ditch the family for a few months <laughs> so I could make it. Uh-huh. Um, and she wouldn't. And that really, you know, bothered me. Like I was maybe the one child in America that wanted a stage mom mm-hmm. and didn't have, I mean, uh. my parents were very supportive in no way. Um, they They really did support me in the arts, but not in a you know, unhealthy way. And I think that really, as a child, I would have preferred 
having like Dina Lohan as my mom, which is now don't feel that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> but, Perspective uh, changes, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so you did get to perform and was it like just whole spectrum of performance or was there a mostly, comedic element? Mostly theater. Okay. Um, it's funny as a kid, and even as a teenager, I didn't really consider myself funny. Hmm. Um, and I was looking back, um, but I just, I was very interested in being a serious actor. Um, I would watch the movie Beaches and the movie Fried Green Tomatoes over and over. Because wow. to me, because people died at the end, spoiler alert, from <laughs> movies in the 80s. Yeah. Um, People died at the end, so I thought they must be really good movies because they were serious. Oh. So I would watch them over and over and like practice monologues from them, make my friends watch me perform monologues from them, my sweet, poor childhood <laughs> friends. Um, and just was really into acting. I wrote Oscar acceptance speeches as a child. Like it was very, I mean, it's very funny, but it was not meant to be funny. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, it wasn't really. I mean, I kind of knew I was funny in high school, but I didn't really consider it. And then I wrote a play in college and had written all these jokes into it without even realizing it. And it was like, it was a dark comedy. And it wasn't until people like watched it and laughed at like places that I had intended for them to laugh, but hadn't really thought about it. But I was like, oh, I guess I write comedy. Mm. And I'd always loved comedy. I was obsessed with watching sketches as a kid. My sister and I would make silly movies I would do like fake cooking shows. Like I was doing comedy, but I just didn't identify as that. Yeah. And I think part of that, honestly, was there weren't that many women that were comedians. I mean, there were, but like you had to seek it out. Yeah. Um, so I think it was just kind of like something I didn't really consider um, huh. as an option, which is silly. But uh, yeah, it just didn't. I was like, I have to be an actor because that's um, more for me yeah that's everywhere that you you know whether you're watching a tv show or a movie that's what you see yeah and so that's Um, what you associate with and it's interesting because i was i was always doing bits Hmm. um i was always doing voices and characters and just never identified it as what it was Hmm. when you went to school in florida was it for your serious profession or was it for your your was it for performance so i was um, it was a liberal arts school, so I I got a degree in literature and theater because they didn't have a straight theater program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to kind of make my own theater program, mm. um, which actually was great. Yeah, because I like designed a lot of classes <laughs> based on what I wanted to do, and I got to write and produce a play as part of my senior thesis. Um, I got to do a lot of like self production, which in a way was really helpful for going into the real world where it's like you got to make your own shit if you you know really want to do the things you want to do often Mm -hmm. um so it was a really great experience I had wanted to go to like an acting conservatory my parents weren't super keen on spending a ton of money to send me to Emerson which no shade on Emerson but it was like a $32,000 a year school even back then (laughs) Um, so I do understand why my parents were like, you can go there, but we're not, we're going to pay this amount, yeah. the amount that, that my state school in Florida was, and you can take the rest out in loans. And even as an 18 year old, I was like, mm, that doesn't sound practical. Yeah. 
So um, it was it was acting, but it was also reading a lot of books and criticism and theories. It was it was kind of serious. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like an interesting balance, though the immersion in literature, but also immersion in performance and creating your own thing. Yeah, and I actually I spent a semester in London studying theater oh, um, cool. as part of my my school. And that was really cool because uh, I got to take a Shakespearean acting class with a bunch of English people. Wow. Um, and it was funny because they weren't letting uh, study abroad people into it, but I emailed every acting professor at the school and was like, I'm coming from America and I really want to take an acting class. <laughs> and so this guy let me take it. So I was the only American. Wow. Um, and it was really fun. And of course, like, the other people would be like, oh, your American accent just, like, adds something modern to the Shakespeare. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, I'm not going to try to do an English accent in front of you people. <laughs> uh, but it was a really cool experience. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I really did have a pretty strong theater background by the time I graduated. Like, I felt pretty knowledgeable about theater. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't really considered comedy. Um didn't really even know about improv besides like whose line is it anyway and never really I was never a huge stand-up person as a kid um I think I just didn't see enough uh it was more sketch and and well yeah sketch just sketch yeah (laughs) uh like I watched a lot of comedy but it was it was primarily sketch so what do you do with that theater and performance sorry literature in theater degree when you graduate where do you go so for a long time I was teaching theater and creative writing Hmm. um at various different places in Austin oh so Uh, you went from Florida to Austin I I lived in Brazil very briefly in between okay (laughs) um because I didn't know what to do with my life and (laughs) Brazil's always top of the list well yeah no um (laughs) I had gone home and was working in a restaurant in a national park living at my mom's house, and really pretty miserable. And my best childhood friend, her dad had started some charity in Brazil. Um, And so she was working down there and came to visit me on my birthday and was showing me pictures and was like, come. Mm. And I didn't know what to do with my life. I was actually, at the time, I was choosing between moving to New York or Austin. And I wasn't really ready for either. I'm a big, I have a ton of anxiety. So like the idea of starting out in life was very scary to me. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to Brazil with someone I've known since birth. Okay. That sounds less scary. So I did that for like five months um, and then came back to work in the National Park and then moved to Austin. So what was the deciding factor for Austin over New York? So it was New York, LA, or Austin that I was deciding between. And I think I was just too scared hmm. to do New York or LA. Um, and Austin at the time was so cheap yeah. that it felt like a much safer option. It also at the time was like, and to be fair, it kind of is, you know, it was promised as this film acting industry place. Yeah. Um, so I moved here to do some acting um, and theater and and did a bunch of like Craigslist acting jobs, <laughs> which they weren't like nothing like gross yeah but not good (laughs) I was really bummed out I just like and I mean I met some nice people it was nothing like terrible but it was just like these are not the projects I want to be working on and then a good friend of mine from college was taking improv classes at Cold Town 
Um, and I also, I was taking an acting class um, with this terrible woman, I won't say her name. Um, and one day she wasn't there and brought an improv person in. And I was actually pissed because I was like, I practice my scene. I don't want to uh. do improv games that I've done in theater classes before. And then I had fun and I liked it and I was getting laughs. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I do like this. <laughs> and my friend was taking classes at Cold Town. So I started taking classes there and I was like, oh, this is writing and acting together. Uh, yeah. um, and I don't have to be alone when I write, you know, because that's the part of writing that's hard for me finding motivation, which I think is true for most people. Yeah. Um, so I just got obsessed with improv huh. um, and started doing sketch pretty quickly after. And that was in 2008. Okay. Um, so then I did start teaching theater and improv to kids, uh, creative writing to kids um, through pretty much every... I was at the Doherty Arts Center for a long time and creative action... Um, and then through Cold Town's youth program. So I've taught so many kids in the Austin area. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't even know. Um, it is kind of funny now as a therapist. Um, I think once or twice I have had a kid I taught, because I, I work with teens and adolescents yeah. um, and adults, but uh, I have had, a, I think, at least one kid that I had worked with as a wow. at, uh in my theater program yeah. come in as a, huh. a therapy client. And that's, it was actually, it's actually kind of cool. Um, cause it's, it's both professional realms. So it doesn't cross that like boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also like, yeah, I am a human outside of therapy. I hope that's not too weird for you. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, one of the, the really cool instances that your name came up is I was interviewing Carlos Morrison Oh, yes. And he mentioned how he took, he was really, he's a really, really shy guy. And he took your improv class. And, you know, then, you know, continues into comedy. Oh, that makes me so happy he brought that up because I bring it up to him all the time. (laughs) Because he was, I think he was 17 when he took my class, like my teen class. And Uh he took it with his younger brother. Mm -hmm. And they were both so funny. And he was just. Like, you could see the talent. Yeah. Um, and I don't usually, I mean, I've worked with talented kids before, but I definitely, because he was so shy, uh-huh. I do remember, and I don't know if he remembers this, but I did pull him aside, and I was like, I, I really hope you keep doing comedy. Huh. You're really good at this. Um, and then didn't really see him, and then started doing stand-up myself in, like, 2019, so it had probably been, like, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... He was, like, in his early 20s, um, and there he was at a stand-up mic, and I was like, I think that's that kid I taught. I think that's the same Carlos. <laughs> and then we talked, and it was, and I was just, like, so thrilled to see that he had found his thing yeah. um, and was just, like, thriving. It was just, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my heart burst a little. I, he's such a good kid. He is. I cannot, he's an adult. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll always be a kid to me. It, yeah. While giving him autonomy and not to belittle him in any way. <laughs> Spoken like somebody who's gone through a PhD program. Oh, no, no. I just have my master's. Okay, master's, nonetheless. Uh, I, I do want to delve into this this other life that you've, yeah. you've built for yourself. So it sound, everything you've told me up to this point is, okay, she's going to just keep pursuing comedy, performance, theater, improv, where does this turn happen? Why? So basically I was in my 
early 30s and really poor (laughs) as one is Uh if you pursue the arts and um, don't have family connections. (laughs) Uh, No, I I think I I had like at one point seven different part-time jobs, all gig work stuff. And like some of it was like once a month for a few hours, but it was just, I was managing like a little company and barely making ends meet. Um, and so originally I'd always been interested in, I'd been in therapy most of my life. Um, and I'd always been interested in it as a backup, which sounds kind of shitty, but I mean, it's true. Um, not that I don't love doing it, but it wasn't my passion or anything. Um, and so I think I just realized I was like, I need to, I need to have one steady job so I can have some of that energy back to do the comedy that I'm supposedly having all this time to do. That's why I have so many jobs to have a flexible schedule. Um, And also at that point, Trump had been elected. (laughs) So you wanted to be able to help others? Yeah. There there was this like, fuck, uh, what, um, what do I do? Am I doing enough to change this world um I actually I was teaching at a school a a, um title one school um which is usually serving an underprivileged community and we were just doing a basic check-in of like rows and thorns saying one good thing and one bad thing about your week this was like a group of third graders so actually I don't know if they're called title one at that if that's just high school anyway um we were going around the circle and one kid as his thorn mentioned a relative being in jail. And then every single kid after that mentioned their like family member or family friend that was in jail as their thorn. Um, and you know, being a privileged white person like that, I hadn't had, I knew about, you know, the inequity in, you know, our prison system. And I've been in, you know, like I've always not agreed with that. Um, but just seeing that, like these kids just yeah. have this as part of their life was a, a real wake up call. Um, and I think I just, and I'm not doing this right now in the sense that I'm not specifically working in reforming prisons <laughs> or anything. Um, but it did make me want to pursue social work instead of like professional counseling degree mm-hmm. because with social work there is much more range of what you can do like I right now I'm doing therapy but I could um, I did an internship in defense mitigation which is working with public defenders to um, lessen sentences and help uh, defer people to mental health programs instead um, and that was really tough and not always you know, it's really hard to get anything done because of how broken our system yeah. is. Um, so it ended up being not something I necessarily wanted to pursue just because I was like, I'm not really helping. I'm just like maybe helping a teeny bit. I, it didn't feel effective enough, yeah. but at the same time, um, it was a really eye-opening experience. Um, and I kind of got off track here, but basically wanting to see what I could do to help others while also giving myself more financial security Mm -hmm. and like have more mental energy for comedy. 
which is not the case because yeah, I was say, um, <laughs> how's that working out? I didn't really think about how stressful like dealing with other people's trauma day in day out um, was, yeah. which is interesting that I even they told us in grad school many times, but I was like, mm, it'll be fine. And you know, it's, it's manageable, but it yeah. is, there are some days where I'm like, I can't go out to a mic. I need to just numb myself with television <laughs> and chill. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. But uh, yeah, it's, I do like what I do. And I think there is a connection to like improv in the sense that like improv really helped me learn to listen and like think on my feet. So like, it's easier to be in the moment with my clients while also considering like their long-term goals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, there's kind of a connection. Yeah. It's, uh, th that's the first thing that I thought of is if you've, you're having a particularly challenging day at your day job to be able, I mean, you have to give yourself that time to recover and be back to, okay, <laughs> I'm Emma, the funny person. Yeah. It's not a, Light switch. Sometimes it can be because, I mean, this is my, like, coping mechanism that's not always healthy, that, like, humor is my go-to. Yeah. Um, if something's uncomfortable, let me make a joke, um, which, you know, I think is fine. It's helped. It's served me in many ways. Uh, and then maybe, you know, cause some issues. But, yeah. uh yeah, so some days it's like, oh, I had a rough day. I want to go be funny. Yeah. And then other days it's like, I can't see a person. So it just depends. It makes it hard to be reliable all the time. Um, although generally, I don't think I've ever canceled a show because of stuff. I did have to, like, leave an improv show once. Um, like, something traumatic had happened to a client, and then it somehow, like, a jokey ver similar version of something oh. got brought up in a show and it, it wasn't anyone's fault. Like yeah. they had no idea. Um, and I just like had to be like, y'all, I gotta go. Uh. <laughs> I love you all. Uh, I can't explain why I gotta go. Um, but other than that, like it, it's such a release for, I love yeah. performing so much that like, even if I have a bad show, it still feels good to go out and yeah. do it. And, um, rarely walk away from a show feeling really terrible about it. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that doing improv helped you, um, or you, you recognize that it helped you with listening and being present in the moment. Can you think of, um, uh, ways in which being a therapist and, and with your, the social work background how that actually flipped and helped you as a performer yeah um well I guess there are some components of you know being a therapist where you are really trying to f read people and mm. see what they're thinking and feeling yeah. um and getting to the truth of the matter uh you know kind of looking at what people's motives are yeah. um I think has also helped me um, and I think for most people who go into therapy, it's probably, and th this isn't my thing. I didn't come up with this. Uh, most of us have our own mental health struggles mm. or have gone through a family's mental health 
family sure. members. So, you know, there's always this urge to like, maybe I'll learn more about why, why I'm this way. Mm-hmm. So I do think knowing a lot about the human brain and, you know, how we do things has helped me write jokes. Um, and like, I think there is some, I have fun writing jokes about my own um, sort of behaviors that like are maybe not healthy but are very human um so yeah I think it's all kind of connected it's funny I know a few other therapists who are improvisers or sketch or stand-ups it's like a small group of us but there is a connection like I do have some other friends in in the field which is kind of fun okay we're gonna I think Let's uh, let's take an intermission there because I'm gonna sure. we're gonna talk about all comedy stuff after our little break here. Okay. All right. So I have this card game. Where should yes. we begin? I can thank Richard, our our comedy wham behind the scenes web guru, for this card game. So we'll point to a card and I'll read it off to you. Okay. All right. So you have picked the question. I've always been embarrassed about dot dot dot. Oh man. Um. What have I always been? I mean, I've always been someone who was just easily embarrassed about existing. (laughs) So um, I think, like, I remember even as a kid, like, being mortified to have to ask to use a bathroom or, like, having to talk to anyone. I was so shy as a kid. Wow. Um, I don't know if that's something, and it's not something I'm still embarrassed about, but um, let's see. Is there anything else? Uh, I guess I, there I had a teeny lisp as a kid and I can still hear it when I say like one or two words. Mm. Um, like if I try to say the word month, but plural, it's like months. I don't know if anyone else can hear it, I don't hear it. <laughs> but I do. So you, yeah. Um, so there are little things like that. Yeah. I try to, it's something I've really worked on not being as embarrassed about mm. things. Um, because it was such an issue as a kid. Um, so I don't, I probably should be more embarrassed about things. I like, I feel like I am fairly open about most of the things that I maybe have been embarrassed about in the past as like a way to kind of like get over that. Yeah. Um, like I'm scared of everything. Hmm. Uh, I'm just a really anxious person. I can't, uh, I can't watch scary movies. I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just like huh. such a scaredy baby. Um, don't really love roller coasters, but uh, these things, yeah, these things don't embarrass me anymore. Yeah. It's just like this is who you are. You can't help it. Um, like I cry Age is a, a lot. Great salve for that. It is. It is. I feel like I have gotten less embarrassed as I get older. Just like I exist. I'm who I am. Like, I do think we can change some things, and I'm always going to be a sensitive, yeah, scaredy yeah. cat, and that's fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are good things that come from that, too. I, I went to a musical last night, and oh. I have, because you, you, I cut you off, but I heard you starting to say that you cry. Um, you're yes, freely, I'm a big crier. I'm a big crier, too. And I was, I was really nervous that I was going to be the... <gasps> kind of crier out loud in the middle of this, you know, because it would fluctuate between songs and, you know, uh-huh. just spoken word and quiet in the musical. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so, this is making me so sad. 
And I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, people cry. Yes. Um, I do have to be mindful just that um, I don't cry in sessions, like my client sessions, because it's it's not about me. I've teared up a couple times in really extreme situations, and it really is out of empathy, and that feels okay because I can manage it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in grad school, that was a big fear of mine, that I would cry in every session. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, so it's good. Now, do I read this one? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So my question is... Okay. The message my broken heart needs to hear. Oh, goodness. You're okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fundamentally it. It's, you're okay. To me, yeah. I think... Because heartbreak feels so permanent. Mm-hmm. And it's remembering that it's not yeah. and that I will feel differently. Yeah. Um, that really helps me in those moments. Just kind of, okay, yes, this feels like it's forever mm-hmm. and it's the worst. And I know I've through experience that that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, boy, that got deep. <laughs> All right, let's lighten this up. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about some of the specific funny shows that you've done. I listed them off at the top. The yeah. What a Character, the 90, the Emma Dilemma, and this latest uh, Taylor Swift sketch show. Character is a big part of who you are on a performance stage. Yes. I really like to write characters um, and just sort of explore, uh, you know, little like quirks or pathos, something. I don't know. I love playing unhinged people (laughs) and like, I love taking my own little insecurities and like amplifying them times a million. Yeah. And turning that into a character. Um, who are some of, uh, or, yeah, who is a, a character that you've created from, you know, just your imagination that is one of your favorite characters? Ooh, I, I have a lot of them that I like. Uh, I think, I mean, yes, they're all for my imagination, but everything's contextual at the same time. Um, so I feel like they're always like inspirations. Um, I have one character who is just kind of, I guess based on me, it's just, she's just the shyest girl in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's performing a song and dance number and like really just, you know, asking people to give her as much attention as possible. So that's a fun one because it's just playing with that idea of like, as a kid, I was so shy, but all I wanted was attention yeah. and like that weird dichotomy. Um, now, granted, I, I really wanted attention on my terms, on a stage, not like if someone asked me a question in class, I would die. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that idea of like wanting and needing attention, but also being very shy is interesting to me. Um, and then being from New England, I love doing Boston characters um I have one recently that I did that in the Taylor Swift show that was a conspiracy theorist um talking about when Taylor Kennedy Taylor (laughs) Taylor dated a Kennedy briefly um and bought a house next to the Kennedy compound and so I just made a slideshow about that and it was very fun for me um and actually I read a whole sketch show about the Kennedys once I have a weird obsession with them (laughs) I think just being 
from New England, growing up Catholic. Mm. Um, my yeah. grandmother was a Irish Italian Catholic from Boston, so it was uh. like weirdly revered this family. Um, and so I think I and they were they were glamorous and rich, and there was death and drama. Yeah, so yeah. I was very obsessed with it even as a child, and then it turned into like my comedy mine for some reason uh so those ones are fun do you do you set goal i mean this is a lot of shows in the span of two years that you did these three shows actually actually in the last year yeah um because emma dilemma was last summer okay and what a character went on for two years Mm um but so it started two years ago but it went until i think we we decided to pause it in like April just to like give ourselves some time mm-hmm. and a break. Um, are you, are you finding that like you just want to create a new thing on a regular basis to feed your, yes, I usually do like having a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's trying to write more stand up or working on a solo show or, um, some of these shows came to me. I didn't actually come up with them. Like Emma Dilemma, my friend Nathan Soul, and his wife Aaron Soul came up with the idea mm-hmm. and asked me to do it. And I, I liked the concept anyway. And then putting me as a star with my name, I was like, yeah. you guys know <laughs> how to get me to commit to something. My ego is loving this. They made a mug with my face on it. And I love it. Um, so, but I, I mean, I love daytime talk shows growing up. Yeah. So that was like in my wheelhouse and I was really excited about doing it, but I wouldn't have come up with that on my own. Mm. Um, and then same with the Taylor Swift sketch show. That was, um, Jess Lonnett and Caitlin, uh, McNally's idea. And they came to me knowing I love Taylor Swift and sketch. And I was like, sure. Yes. Although they know way more about Taylor Swift than I do. Um, they knew a lot more of the lore. Um, but I think it made a nice balance because my sketches were, more tangential to Taylor Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, So we had a lot of, like, range in the show. Um, And then what a character. I just, I always really loved doing characters. And I missed doing sketch. Um, My sketch team, Pendulum, most, there are very few of us that still live in Austin. Mm -hmm. After the, or during the pandemic, many of the people moved away. Um, We had already gone through, like, three or four iterations. So we just kind of, naturally stopped doing shows uh, or didn't come back rather um and so I wanted a way to do sketch where I didn't have to wrangle ah, a whole team smart. so I just had a rotating cast it was very low it was still a lot of work but it was low maintenance compared to other sketches yeah, yeah. uh you mentioned that you started doing stand-up what was given the the theater sketch improv as the things you've spent most of your time in. What yeah. was your motivator for starting stand-up? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'd always wanted to. Mm. I had done a few open mics in, like, 2011. And remember, like, liking it, getting some laughs, and being like, I'd have to put a lot of work into this if I wanted to, like, be good at it. Yeah. And I don't really have the time for that right now. Mm. Um, and then I kind of put it off longer than I wish I had. But it kept coming up where I'd like think of things I'd want to do in a stand-up bit. And like I wrote a few sketches as stand-up. Like I did a Jackie Kennedy stand-up sketch. 
And I really enjoyed doing that. And then I wrote another one that was like a character doing stand-up. Um, and then I wrote a stand-up-ish bit where I was just making the audience guess my age, <laughs> but like making them guess younger. Um, <laughs> and it, that was really fun. So I was just like, I don't, I didn't come from it like in a traditional stand-up way. Like I think I've always been a little, I mean, a lot of my jokes might fit the traditional stand-up format, but um, I see it as like a continuation of performance. I mean, a lot of my jokes are based on real things in my life, but it also, it does feel like a performance. Yeah. You know, like I'm not doing a specific character, but it is a character mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And and do you go through cycles of at any one point in your your week, month, year, you like one better than the you other? You know, it's interesting. I was, um, I was doing a lot more stand-up than sketch or improv for a while. And then it kind of naturally switched back to more improv and sketch. Mm -hmm. um, and I do still like doing stand-up. And, you know, I have a few shows here and there. But it's harder to put the effort in going to mics and writing right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of letting that be. I'm still writing, but it's... Uh, I think naturally I can't focus on all of them. Yeah. So when I'm doing more of one of the others, one kind of falls by the wayside. So now that my sketch show is over, I'm I'm doing a play right now actually. Oh. But once that's over, <laughs> I I probably will be doing more stand up writing. Um well and I also have FPIA in a month, so I I uh. do need to be going out more, <laughs> um, trying to set a goal. I don't want to do all the same jokes from last year. I think I have like one or two new ones I could add in, but I'd like yeah. those to be more polished and I'd like to see if there is other stuff to explore. But I think that's the nice thing about stand-up. Like there are so many different avenues you can take with it, even though it is, um, you know, a pretty, there is like that set structure there really is also a lot you can do with it that's different from that. Like I, I really like a lot of the more alt comic specials that I've seen recently. Like I really like John Early's special, um, and Kate Berlant's special. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Julio Torres' special that came out a few years ago. Oh, God, that was so um, mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I I loved it so, <laughs> so much. Crazy. And especially because like a few of those toys were toys I also huh. had as a kid, and like. Uh -huh. I think there was a, like, I wouldn't have been able to put words on it like he did, but tapping into that childlike um, play that yeah. I was, I was always performing as a child, like, even when no one was around, there was always a show going on. Um, my parents always used to compare me to that old Gilda Radner sketch where she's, like, doing a show in her room as a Girl Scout oh, or yeah, something, yeah. and, like... I didn't know what that was at the time, but I, I was, I was, which is so funny that I didn't think I was into comedy, yeah. <laughs> but like I was always performing. Um, so there was something that was just so special about th that, um, that show Julio Torres did that like, I was like, oh my God, there were other weird kids like me, even though I knew that, you know, but, yeah. um, I just think he, he hooked into that in such a fun way. So I, I'm really interested in, like, exploring stand-up, like, kind of outside the realms mm -hmm. 
of traditional stand-up, although I do really like pushing myself to write, like, you know, classic joke format jokes, because that's also really good for you, I think. Yeah. I think it's made me a much better improviser and sketch writer. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's, it's always kind of going one direction or the other. At some point, I probably will, you know, want to perform less, I think, just as I get older. Mm. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, cause I do really, really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to hear you the way I, I'm hearing the, the words, say that stand-up takes a lot more work for you. That may not be the precise wording, but that's what I'm hearing. Whereas if I talk to most stand-ups, they view sketch and improv as very challenging things to tackle. And it's it's interesting because I think, I mean, I think sketch is the most work because it's the writing and the performing and the rehearsing. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, improv, you don't have to do any work ahead of time. Yeah, but there's rules. Sure. Classes. I think once, once you've been doing it long enough, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe that's me phoning it in. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, all the time. Uh, but there, to me, you're not alone on that stage, and that's really nice because yeah, it's like, yeah. well, if I fuck up, someone will have my back. Um. Or I can, like, if I don't have an idea, I can focus on someone else's idea. Whereas with stand-up, that really, that part scared me. Like, I'm going up by myself? Mm. And I really liked that. There's a higher reward there, too. Sure. Uh, Because it's like, I've crafted this joke, and if people laugh, that makes me really, really happy. Um, Like, the first couple of times I did stand-up, I definitely got that high that I hadn't experienced from improv in a long time, even though... I'll still get it if it's a really good show, but yeah. I don't feel it as much anymore just because it's like something I've done so many, many times. Um, and I do think there is a part of improv. I mean, it can be really magical, but something you write and craft is generally going to be, you know, more solid. Um, and, I, and that's not a dig to improv. It's some of the magic of that stuff just coming is really cool and it is so collaborative. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I like having something written that I can repeat. Hmm. Uh, just, you know, it, that the tangible thing is so great, but it's also frustrating. Yeah. When I finish a show and I loved it and I feel so great and I'm like, I don't remember what we did though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or like I remember a few things, but yeah. Uh, so, I do think stand-up is more work in some ways. Um, I get the the nice thing about it, the easier thing, is I don't have to depend on anyone else. Mm-hmm. I can just write my jokes and show up and do them. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, obviously, getting feedback from people is really great and important as well. Um, I'm grateful for the stand-up friends I have who I am able to, like, ask about joke structure and, like, mm-hmm. run things by. Um but yeah, I think in some ways with improv, I just show up, we warm up for five minutes, we do a show and you know, the team I play with the most, we've known each other for so long, warming up is just hanging out. Huh. <laughs> um, and so, That's you know, cool. it's hanging out with your friends on stage, yeah, doing goofy bits. 
And that, that does not feel like work. <laughs> no, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, and none of it feels like work when, like when it's going well in the sense mm-hmm. that like with stand up, like if I'm feeling confident and I've practiced my jokes and I'm feeling comfortable, um, being flexible with them and like interact with the audience, that's great. That doesn't feel like work either. That just feels like, again, that high. Yeah. Um, but then when it's tough or you're at an empty open mic and you're trying something new, um, you get in your, well, all of it, I think the biggest struggle is getting in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I did get over that with improv, but it took a long time. Um, and I got over that with sketch and it took a long time. And I think with stand up, I'm still working on getting over it, even though it's definitely easier because I've done the other two things for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, you have been part of the Austin comedy scene for a while. Since 2008. Yeah. So So 15-ish years. Yeah. So you've seen the metamorphosis. I mean, you saw the... I've seen a million metamorphoses. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, for me, I started really paying attention to comedy in 2012. Okay. And then saw, like, the heyday between like 13, 15, and then, uh, you know, the LaShonda era, era. Yeah. And then now this new era. Yeah. Um, what do you think about all these changes to the scene? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think improv and sketch definitely have not changed as much. Mm-hmm. There's been some changes with like Cold Town getting a new space, yeah. being closed for a while. Um, you know, there have certainly been changes in the improv scene, obviously not as drastic as the stand-up scene. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not a fan of some of the stuff that's changed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. I, I don't think he's an evil person or anything. I just don't think he recognizes the reach he has and how, um, you know, I, I don't care if your comedy is woke but I don't think punching down works. Agreed. Um, and for me, it's really hard seeing the anti-trans stuff when trans people in our community are literally having their rights stripped away. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how people don't see that connection. Yeah. And I don't think your jokes are funny enough to justify using them when they empower those laws in a way. They're not solely responsible, of course, but there is a connection between the rhetoric and what's happening to people. Um, And I know, you know, there are amazing trans comics in our scene who are feeling, you know, really shitty because of the stuff that, you know, these comics are bringing in. And it's not funny. It's not good comedy. Like, beyond what you feel about it politically, even if you are transphobic, um, like, write better jokes. Yeah. <laughs> is my, you know, like, I, I used to say this a lot in improv classes because we, you know, try to explain to people, you might say something offensive in the moment. We're going to talk about it. In general, you're making your job so much harder because mm-hmm. you have to win the audience back. Yeah. And beyond just like, I don't believe in punching down as a human, it's just, I'm sure there are ways to make it work occasionally here and there, yeah. but I I don't really see it very often. I think it's a lot easier to punch up and be funny and why make your job harder? Yeah. Um 
So that's kind of, and I don't want to put that all on Joe Rogan because I don't think it's all on him. I think a lot of people um, wanted to be that way anyway or are that way. Um, it does disappoint me that that's become such a huge part of our scene. Um, there are also a lot of amazing people who've moved here. I don't want to lump everyone in together. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's cool that there are so many new clubs in town. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there is a lot of opportunity. Um, so it's not all bad. I don't want to yeah. say that. I think um, it's also just not hard to... And, and I'm also coming at it from a place where I'm not pursuing stand-up the way I maybe would have in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me to say, why would I do a show at Comedy Mothership? Because I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not getting booked there anyway. But, like, I don't mind. That's not a, a big loss to me where I understand, like, if you're getting paid, you got to take what you take. But at the same time, you do also have to live with yourself at the end of the yeah. day. And, like... It, it it disappoints me sometimes when I see people I like and respect not really have any backbone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not, there are so many comics that do. I don't mean to lump everyone together. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure I've done things that go against my values and I wouldn't repeat again. You know, we're all learning and growing. I just hope people can start to see that this isn't about freedom of speech. It's about making, making better choices for the people in this world. Not like, like you're right to say a slur on stage. Um, I, I don't really care except how it affects other people. Um, and it's not, if your joke depends on saying a slur, I just don't think it's funny. I don't think that can possibly mm-hmm. be funny. Um, unless you're the person the slur is about and you're using it, you know, like that's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of bumps me out that that, just to see so many conservative people in comedy, like it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like that's never been the, I mean, there's always been a few, but yeah. it's very odd to me. Um, well, we've always been a very liberal city, so that's kind of what we've we've been used to. And yes, and a lot of that creative stand-up has has been what we've been watching. Yeah, and I just think there's something about I don't my stand-up. So many stand-ups are poor. I don't get how you can be conservative and poor. And I know you can, but you're fighting against your own interests. Um, so it. It's just weird to me mm-hmm. on that level. Um, I I hope we don't lose a lot of our great comic voices because they don't feel comfortable or safe here. Yeah. Um, that is a worry thought I have. Um, but there are still so many great people who are. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw Clara last night. Um, we did a show together. And, you know, I think Clara Blackstone is a great example of someone who... Um, you know, makes really great political jokes that even if people disagree with her, uh-huh. they're still going to laugh at them because they're so well-written and delivered. And then at the same time, we've actually talked about this. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. Sometimes she worries when someone comments on her jokes like, and is like, 
man, I don't usually like trans people or something, um, but this was great. And what I told her, and I don't know if this is true, this is my opinion, that like, that's awesome. Because even if that person doesn't change, they're at least able to humanize you yeah. in this. You know, like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it can only be positive. Mm-hmm. It's also weird. Like, why would you comment that? Yeah, and yeah. I get how it could be hurtful. Um, but I don't think it means she's doing anything wrong. I think it's, if anything, she might help someone open their eyes a little. Um, but so this is rambling, but, um, yeah, I guess it's a mixed bag. I like that there's more stage time. I don't like that people are, um, you know, politicizing comedy in a way that, doesn't really make sense to me yeah yeah um yeah yeah it's uh it's an interesting situation i've been going to a lot of fpia because my son is Mm. is away for a couple of weeks so i've been going to see a lot and it's funny how like my radar goes way up when i know oh that's a mothership comic Uh uh-huh that's a mothership open micer and i try to be as objective as possible I'm sure there are good people <laughs> who perform great. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I'm, I am, I am sure of that. And I've seen people like traveling comics. I like perform there, mm-hmm. or, or I haven't seen them, but I've seen that they are performing yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so like, it's not like we can get tickets. The place sells out constantly. Oh so really? It's not, oh yeah. It's you know that's one of the things that they're they I post mean, a lot. Yeah, he he's making a lot of money. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I'm glad something's in the old building. I would choose something else <laughs> yeah. maybe, but um, I used to love going to the Ritz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I went to a, a mic at Cap recently and didn't know, I knew like one person. Yeah. And I saw a lot of like what seemed like that vibe mm-hmm. yeah. of stand-up. And I also saw a few really funny people I had never seen before. Yeah. Um, but it is just like, and, the, and I, w- I don't want to say this didn't exist before, because it did. There were always... For sure. You know, I don't think I've ever gone to a mic where there hasn't been, like, a rape joke or something. Sure. Um, but the numbers have increased. Um, and again, it's like, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Uh, but... I mean, maybe you are. You're maybe you're doing great doing this. Some people are, so maybe I mean, don't listen to me. <laughs> that's the trick: is if you're performing and you're getting like the big reaction from from the mothership, then you don't know any different. Yeah, of course you're going to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah. So the 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 great big hope is that you have people who are like, oh, I I I can perform at other places and learn from other places, right? Um, as well. That was, yeah something that uh i just i recently well we were just released the episode with aaron cheatham and he said he he actually likes what's been going on because there's more people to learn from but that's the trick is you have to learn to pick the best from you know the people that right. you're watching that's so a good point it's not you know to your point it's the punching down stuff that's never going to work for me no. i'm not going to laugh when you punch down and you know another audience will but try to play to the audience that is like me too because right. then you're going to get 
both the people that you punch down to and the people that you punch up to and those audiences will be like oh this is a good joke yeah so figure out how to and i think there is a way to play to the people who like the punching down without punching down yeah whereas i don't think it goes the other way um but i also don't think i would do well at comedy mothership i don't think they'd like my jokes about being a socialist (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) Well, my my thing is, uh, you know, I I do follow their Instagram account, mm-hmm. and every time I scroll through the set of ten pictures, I'm like, is it going to be one woman or two this time? <laughs> Almost always, it's one. And for in the early days, it was none. Well, I guess Roseanne Barr counts, but you know, <laughs> no local women. Sure. And it's like, okay, that's great. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. There are women, very talented, funny women in Austin comedy. So many. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there are so many talented people here, and it's not just old school versus new school. There are a lot of new people I've met that I think are really funny and talented. Yeah. Um, and I do think there is something to learn from people that are very funny but have a totally different style from you, for sure. I yeah. think that's a really good point. Um, and I certainly have a lot of room to grow as a stand-up, um, and, and haven't really been writing that much in the last six months. I think I've written like maybe like four jokes, uh, if that. So like, I'm not coming, I'm, I hope it's clear to any, anyone listening that like, I'm not coming from like some high horse. I know I have a lot of growth to do in stand-up and, um, and I also know that my goals in stand-up aren't to be universal. Um, like I really like being weird and doing the things that interest me Yeah. and that may not be everyone's favorite thing and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's okay that I don't like a lot of the other yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Cause those other comics have the same point of view because I like what I like and I like doing this particular style of comedy and yeah. not everybody has to like me so yeah it's just yeah coexisting in this ecosystem yeah I think the only thing that that generally bothers me about it is it is like when the rhetoric is actually affecting laws <laughs> yes. um and I, again I don't you can't prove there's a direct correlation but I think in making transphobic jokes you're normalizing shit that's now becoming law yeah um and I do think that's a problem that being said uh, I don't have to like all your jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just urge people to consider that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for humoring me on my conversation. Yes. <laughs> uh, what do you have coming up that do you want to talk sure. about? Sure. Um, I am performing in uh, the Cold Town main stage show, Stool Pigeon, which is an Armando show, meaning we have someone tell stories, and then we do improv off of it. Uh, that's Saturdays at eight thirty, and then I'm in a play um, Saturdays at seven p.m. in July at Fallout called Dead, oh. or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Accept the End. I butchered that. Um, <laughs> it's it's a play on the uh, the Kubrick. Piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are both happening, and then I'm doing FPIA August 1st. Wow. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before um, we... I don't think so. This has been great. Thank you for yeah, having me. Of course. 
All right, so I'm going to ask you my closing question. Okay. One word to describe your future. Ooh. Um, this is my goal. Connection. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I've just, I've been really focused on that as like, I think it's what we all need, mm-hmm. especially after COVID and just the isolation of our society. Yeah. Um, so I'm really trying to make that my, my focus. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, much success to you on, on doing that. It's tough in this uh, <laughs> yeah. social media world. And, For sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Emma Holder, tell us where we can find you on social media and uh, if sure. you want to recap projects. Uh, my Instagram is at the Emma Holder. And I don't remember what my, my Twitter is... <laughs> Well, I don't even know. Does Twitter exist anymore? Um, Instagram is kind of it now. Um, At the Emma Holder, I am private because I'm a therapist. But as long as you're not one of my clients, I'll let you follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I must have gotten in because I was able to look at your, your account. So, yay, comedy yeah. way. <laughs> All right, well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Emma got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Way and Presents Emma Holder. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Emma. Thank you.